you don't have to try here in the South to sound Southern. We already got that. You don't have to work extra hard at it. We're there. Are you good to, glad to be in the house this morning? Yeah. yeah. I do encourage you to sign up to help Pastor Kim and the children's ministry with the Fall Fest. We did have 1,200 people here last year. I don't know what the Lord is going to open up for us uh, this year. I hope it's as many, if not more, um, but we need your help. And so uh, if you'd be willing to volunteer, there's information on your, on your seats. We'd love you to be a part of that. Uh, we got back from a retreat last week. And, uh, and I just want to thank everybody who participated and also those who worked behind the scenes to make that, uh, that very successful. And if you didn't get an opportunity to go this year, man, I encourage you to mark your calendars next year. It's going to be right around the same time. Uh, we'd, love to, we'd love the whole church to be a, uh, be a part of that. It was a, it was a real spectacular time and uh, just a sweet time for, for church family. And so, man, what a, what a, what a great time. Uh, but as we always say, God has saved the best for what? right now. And uh, I'm privileged to open up a new series and it's called Called Out. Called Out. You know, you got a calling on your life. What does that mean? <laughs> you got a calling on, on, on your life. And, and, uh, and today we're going we're gonna to talk about that. We're going to talk about calling. And, and when we talk about calling, we are answering the question, God, what do you want me to do? Or God, what do you want me to be? Who do you want me to be? Uh, or God, what is your will for my life? What is your will for my life? These calling questions, uh, these, these questions are calling questions, and they're really good questions for you to have answers to because most of us really want to be doing what God wants us to do. We don't want to be doing things outside of God's will. We want to be doing things that are inside of, of, God's, of God's will. You know, to me, it is, it is extraordinary that the God of the universe, the God who breathes stars, aligns the planets, sets them in motion, created you. And he created me. And he has a plan for your life. This God has a plan for your life. This spectacular, omniscient God wants to call you out for a specific purpose. And I believe to be used by God and for his will is the best, most incredible honor you will ever receive. To be used for his purpose is the best and most incredible honor that you could ever receive. So over the next few weeks, there's going to be a number of the pastoral staff that's going to come. And we want to help nudge you along on your journey to understanding God's call on your life as we believe that all of you are called by God. And if you're here this morning and you're not a believer, I, I, would, I would say to you, you are not excluded from this. You just don't know him yet. And when you get to know him, you're gonna see he's got amazing things for you. The Bible says in the book of Ephesians chapter two, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. That word advance up there, that means that he's there before we show up. And that word prepared up there means that he's brought everything that's needed before you get there. And so what's needed is a ready yes. What's needed is your willingness to show up and say, here I am, God. That's it. That's all that's required. 
And so in order to move through this series and and take this journey together, we're going to go over to the book of Romans in chapter 12 and and a very familiar passage of scripture, Romans 12 verses 1 and 2. And we're going to step through that passage through the next four or five weeks. And today we're going to focus on the top part, but we're going to read the entire thing. We're going to take it out of the message version, Eugene Peterson's uh, version. Which, Which version is the best version of the Bible? It's the one that you will read. We're going to read from the message today. Stand with me. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for Him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out in you, develops well-formed maturity in you. Father, I thank you for your word. I, I believe that your word is alive and it's active today. And I believe it is your word that can change our lives. So I ask, Lord, today as we talk about calling and your purpose in our life, God, I ask that you would speak to our hearts, God. And anything that I say that's distracting, God, let it be forgotten. But Lord, the things that are from you, Lord, would you help us to hold on to those things so that it could change us for eternity? We love you today. Thank you, God, that we can be here, the opportunity to sit under your word and to be able to proclaim the gospel and the purposes that you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. I find that many believers who are seeking God's call on their life aren't necessarily concerned about what they're called to as much as they are concerned about whether or not they've actually heard from God. It's not so much about the what, you know, God says, go do this. And, uh, you know, we, you know, and maybe there's a struggle that happens at that point. But, but I find today that most, most believers aren't necessarily concerned as much about the what is, uh, did, I, did I miss him? Did he tell me to go left, but I went right? Did I go right, but I went left? Am I, am I doing what he's asked me to do? Did I hear from him correctly? And, and we're kind of like moving chaotically all throughout our life because we're trying to really hear and zone in to, to what has God called me to do? What is it actually uh, that he's called me to do? And it, and it can be quite intimidating, though, if you, if you really think about it, because the God of the universe has a call on your life. And then, we, and then our minds go to like Bible characters like Moses. God says to Moses, I want you to go to Pharaoh, and I want you to set um, like millions of people free. I mean, what kind of I mean, what would you? How? What would your response be to that? You know, uh, or, or or Jonah. You know, I want you to go to Nineveh and I want you to tell them they're not living right, and if they don't, I'm going to kill them all. You know, I mean, what kind of? That, that's a, man. We we approach that and we say, I I don't feel I do not feel adequate to do any of that, and so we we have a little bit of a, this this mindset. Man, you know, this is a this is a bit intimidating. This God who is like, you know huge and omniscient, knows everything. He has a call on my, on my life, and, and, and he does. The first thing that I want us to understand about being called out by God is that you don't have to be afraid of the call. You don't have to be 
afraid of being called by God. In the book of Exodus chapter 3, we're, inter, we're, 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 we're introduced to uh, Moses uh, on into his story. We're, we're, we talk about the, the thick of, of God calling him and, and giving him an assignment. And the first verse here in chapter 3 says that Moses was tending the flock. Now, I said this on Thursday night, and I do encourage you to come out. We're doing a series on Joseph, Joseph's life on Thursday nights at 6.15 if you want to come out. But I said this to the crowd on, on Thursday, Thursday night. God has a real special place for those who are tending flock, who are tending the sheep. Jesus refers to us as sheep in scripture. And I feel like God really has a special place when we think of David's life. He is tending sheep. Moses, tending sheep. Joseph, tending, tending sheep. And so this is what Moses is, is doing here. And he sees something off in the distance that catches his attention. And it's an angel of the Lord appearing in the form of a burning bush. And this bush that's over there is bright and flamed. And, and you know, I mean, we've seen fire. You've seen fire. Eventually, you know, a fire burns out, you know, it, 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 things get destroyed, but this bush is not going anywhere. It's this consuming fire that's inside this bush and it, and it draws Moses to it or it draws his attention and Moses starts to walk over to it and he, and he lays down where he is to go over to the bush. And when he gets closer, closer to the bush, he hears his name, Moses, Moses. I want you to know that when God calls you, he's going to call you by name. He has a very specific tailored purpose and call on your life. He's going to call you by name. And he says, Moses, Moses. And Moses responds and he gets closer to the bush. And then the Lord says something. He says, I want you to take off your shoes for where you're standing is holy ground. And Moses complies and he takes off his shoes and he's standing there in the midst of God Almighty. And then God says this, I am the God of your father. I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And at this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. Now, I want you to understand that what God is doing in this moment, before he tells Moses what he's called him to do, what God is doing here is he is establishing the relationship. He's establishing with Moses, I am God and you are not. And I want you to know that whenever you get to a place where God is about to use you or call you to do something, there's going to need to be a DTR in your life with God to define the relationship that he is God and you are not. Anytime God wants to use you, he's got to be in control. If it's going to go well, he needs to be, one, be the one driving the train. And so God has this DTR with Moses and he defines the relationship with him. I am God and you are not. And it says that Moses hid his face and was afraid to look at God. I want us to notice that it doesn't say that Moses was afraid of God. It says that Moses was afraid to look at God. And there's a difference there. Last night, we took my oldest daughter, Hadassah, to an escape room. Have you ever played an escape room? And we took her there because my sister had a birthday. And in the middle of the escape room, we were in this like Mayan cave. And it was really kind of like top notch, like the, the walls started moving in like this. And she lost her mind. I mean, she was so scared. And she was like, daddy, get me out of here. And I grabbed her and ran out with her you know, halfway through. 
This wasn't that type of fear. This wasn't the fear of I'm running away because I'm scared. This was a fear to say, I am in reverent submission to you, holy God. This is a fear to say, I can't even look at you because I am in submission to your holiness. This was a, this was a holy moment, a holy place. And God will do that in our lives to make sure that we understand where the authority lies and who we take our instructions from. And so we continue on. And once that's established, once the relationship was established, God goes into, I have heard the cry of my people and it is my intention to set them free. And he goes in and he gives a description of what he plans to do. And he says this to Moses. He says, So now go, period. So now go. Oh, that we would have faith enough that when God says go, we would be willing to go. Now notice I didn't say when God says go that we take off running. That's actually some of our problem. I'm gonna talk about that in a minute. But that he, when he says go, that we would have a heart posture that says where to. That when he says go, we would be in a heart posture that says, I'm ready. That we have a heart posture that when he says go, we can say, God, I surrender. Yes, what do you want me to do? And so he says, so now go. So now go, Moses. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring up my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said these words, I will be with you. Would you look at somebody right now and say, God is with you. God is with you. God desires to be on the journey ahead of you and with you. He is never looking to send you out on your own. He comforts Moses in that by saying, I will be with you, Moses. Guys, it's okay to feel like you can't do something God's asking you on your own because he's not asking you to do it on your own. Moses certainly felt that way. And we see as you read on this scripture, he's trying to convince God to get out of the whole deal. But I would suggest that one of the largest indicators that you're doing exactly what he wants to do is you getting to a point to say, I don't know, God, that I can do this on my own. And God says, oh yeah, you can't do it on your own. You need me along the way. And it can be scary. It can be scary. But the posture that we have is the one that Moses took that says, you are a holy God and I submit to you and I trust you. Saints, do you trust him this morning? He has a call on your life. Do you trust him this morning? Now, I don't believe that our culture is the same as Moses's. Moses was trying to get out of this deal. I mean, even he goes through all of these things. God shows his supernatural power. And then at the end of the, the, the dialogue, he says, pardon your servant, Lord, just choose somebody else. And it arouses the Lord's anger because he wasn't walking in obedience. But I don't believe that that's our culture. I think our problem is, is that we are trying to get, um, our problem is, is that the moment that God gives us a hint of what he wants us to do, we take off out of the gate trying to make it happen before he's even had time to tell us where to go. And so here you are having a conversation with God and he told you he was going to use you to do something. And then you take off and you work so hard to make it happen because you just know God told you to do it. But your relationships are a mess. Your health is a mess. 
You don't have the resources you need. You're worn out. You're tired. You're overwhelmed. And you're like, God, where are you? And God's like, I'm at the beginning of the conversation. Where'd you go? Where'd you go? If God has called you to do something, when he calls you to do something, you'll know when it's time to do that something because the same voice that told you what to do is gonna be the same voice that's gonna tell you when to do it. I believe that God wants somebody in this room. I have felt this for the last 48 hours. God wants somebody in this room to stop trying to make it happen. Stop trying to make it happen. Somebody in this room is running yourself. You're running yourself into, ground, into the ground. You're running yourself ragged under, ragged under the umbrella, under the auspice, under the thought process that God has told you to do something, but God has not released you to do that yet. He's given you a small glimpse of what it is that you're supposed to do and you have taken off and you're wondering what's going on. If this is God, why am I feeling this way? What, why am I so worn out? Why do I I feel so burdensome. It's because God's not with you right now. You need to go back to the beginning. Go back to the conversation. God wants to help you, but you're trying to be victorious on your own strength and it's not going well for you. And then you start questioning your call. And then the other people around you start questioning your call. And then everyone else just thinks you're playing crazy. You're an emotional mess and nobody really knows how to help you. But God does. I love that God, even when we mess up, when we take off, when we, when we screw up the plan, he's like, I got it. Don't worry. Just come right back to me. Come right back to me. He has this miraculous way because while you were messing things up, he was over here talking to this person, this person, and this person. He was saying, listen, so-and-so messed it up. We're just gonna fix this right here because they're gonna come back to me. They're a prodigal right now, but they're coming back home. When they get home, we're gonna start from square one and we're gonna move forward. God has a miraculous way because he does not need us. He chooses to use us. He does not need you. He chooses to use us. In Acts chapter seven, Luke Luke tells us that Moses was 40 years old whenever he left Egypt. He's 40 years old. Does anybody know how old Moses was whenever he, God appeared to him in the bush? He was 80 years old. Exodus 7, we learn that he is 80 years old. I have a question for you. What was going on in the 40 years between the bush, or between the leaving Egypt and the bush? What was going on in those 40 years? 40 years is a lot. That's my whole life. My whole life between Egypt and the bush. What's going on with Moses? What's going on with Moses? Ordinary days. Ordinary days were taking place in the 40 years between leaving Egypt and God's call to go back to Egypt and deliver the people from Egypt. Ordinary days. When Margaret passed away, Arwen got up here and she made a speech and she said something that I will, I'll, I will never forget. And it was simply this. It was simply this. Enjoy the gift of ordinary days. Enjoy the gift of ordinary days. I have to believe 
that in the ordinary days of 40 years of Moses' life, God saw something in Moses that he was faithful enough in those ordinary moments that God could appear to him at a bush and deliver Israel. I have to believe that in his faithfulness in those 40 years, day in, day out, in, in the frustrations, in getting married and having kids and doing life, going, going and doing and all of these things, Moses was faithful enough on that journey that God could trust him with one of the most powerful things that we see in the Old Testament that would tie the whole story of the gospel together. I started working in kids ministry on a church bus at my old Baptist church that I've talked to you about. And I don't really recognize, I didn't recognize at that time that I was called into ministry or anything like that. I was just serving because there was a need and I enjoyed doing it. I believe if I were to, if, if I were to answer the question, when did you first say, I, I believe I'm called to ministry, actually was in the old uh, ministry center, old sanctuary, when Margaret got up and she said, I really want the children here to have a play. I really want them to do a play and I don't really have time to do it. And I need somebody to direct, to direct the kids. And I just raised my hand. I said, I'll do it. I'd never directed a play before. You know, I'd never done it, but I was like, I'll do it. Yeah. You know? And I believe that that yes, coupled with faithfulness, is a huge ingredient to the foundation of why I'm lead pastor at this church right now. And I don't know about you, but you know, and it, it might not be anything connected with Springhouse, but I wonder how many of you saying yes to serving at a fall fest might mean something later in the future that you don't know because of the ripple of your obedience and saying yes, because you know you're going to be on the couch doing nothing that night anyway. Remember last week I said, let's level up. I'm, I'm talking real talk right now. Are we ready to serve? Are we ready to dig in? Is your yes on the table? Notice that I had not had all this. I wasn't saying yes out of my experience. I wasn't saying yes to I'll direct a play because I've done, here's my portfolio. Look at all the children's plays I've done. They've been amazing. We've toured and all this stuff. No, I didn't know what I was doing. In fact, Margaret told me multiple times in her own nice, nice way that I didn't know what I was doing. And she helped me along the way. And don't get me started on the staples I put in the ceiling and Pastor Wayne coming and tell me all about that as they walked there. I mean, there were a lot of learning and training that happened in that moment, but I was willing, but I was willing. God is not asking you to chase after his will. God wants you to chase after him. God wants you to chase after him. And all too often we grow arrogant and haughty in the fact that we've got the big things down. But I would argue that God is concerned about the small things. I haven't murdered anyone, but I have hated my brother. I haven't committed adultery, but I did lust after her. I haven't stolen anything, but I actually wasn't working when I was on the clock getting paid to do so. I'm involved in community, but yeah, I'm gossiping behind their back. If there's anything that God is looking for more than anything else, I have to believe that he is looking for faithfulness. All throughout the Old Testament, it is him talking through prophets. If you'll just be faithful to me, people Israel, and I will be your God, I will be your strong and mighty fortress. If you'll just be faithful, he is looking for faithfulness. Part of the problem is that we live in a world that tells us over and over again, achieve, achieve, achieve. 
Do, 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 gain, gain, gain. Do whatever it takes to have the higher position. And then we tend to associate our calling with position. And sometimes God will allow, allow a position to be an aspect of your calling. But the problem with positions and titles is that we can easily begin to pursue them rather than God. Positions tied to calling are not held like this. They are held like this. Positions held to, uh, associated with calling are held like this. I'm letting you know right now, I am not lead pastor at this church for job security. Whenever the transition happened between uh, Pastor Ronnie and myself, somebody came to me and said, are you ready to log your 30 years? And I'm so glad I had a ready response, said, no, I wanna log the amount of years God wants me to. I am fluid in this position and I am as serious as I am standing here right now. I believe God could remove me this afternoon from this position. He could also have me here for 30, 40, 50 years. I don't know. But I'm gonna tell you guys, if I do this without him, I am useless and I am dangerous. I have to have God. I have to have God walking this out and you need God to be with you and he wants to be with you. God says, pursue me and I will use you. Pursue me and I will equip you. Pursue me and I will provide for you. Pursue me and I will protect you. Pursue me and I will give you peace. Guys, walking in your calling should bring you peace. Walking in your calling should bring you peace. There are, real, there are so many people in this congregation who I really, really respect. Among them, one of them is Jeremy Jones. And let me tell you about Jeremy Jones. He like runs like every medical office in the state of Tennessee. And he's just great running people, having meetings, having to hire people, fire people, finances, all of these things. But every conversation that I have with that man, he exudes peace because he's walking in his calling. Mario Gallioni, president of Journey's company. Oh my goodness, all the employees, all of the things that you can imagine goes on with that. Every conversation that I have with Mario, he exudes peace. He's walking in his calling. And I can imagine that there are day, there were days in the 30 plus years that Pastor Ronnie was in this position that he pulled out his hair and wanted to quit. But when at, most of the time when I talked to him, he exuded peace. Seriously. Why? Because he was called. Because he was called. The gifts and the call of God are irrevocable. Irrevocable. You have heard people say that God will give you a peace that passes understanding. And many times that phrase is used to connect with sorrow and with loss. And, and boy, do we believe that God can certainly give a peace during that situation. But do you know that when Paul was mentioning that in the book of Philippians, he wasn't referring to death and loss. The Bible says, Paul's writing here, he says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And then the peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. When do I feel most anxious? When I'm outside of God's will. When do I feel anxiety? When things are falling apart and I can't find God. But guess what? When we rejoice in him 
and the Lord is near, we can cast those anxieties on him and he will give us a peace that passes understanding. What that says is I have been called to enter into this mess, but I'm gonna enter into this mess with the understanding that I have a peace because I've been called because the Lord is with me. And I go in with confidence knowing that God is gonna carry me and he's going to give me everything I need on the journey. Guys, you need a peace. You need a peace when it comes to your calling and he will give it if you're walking where you're supposed to be. Our ordinary days should be filled with rejoicing in the Lord as we embrace what God does for us. And he's doing things for us all of the time. He's doing things for us. You need the peace that passes understanding in the middle of your ordinary days. When COVID shows up in the middle of your ordinary, you need peace. When it doesn't look like you're gonna make the budget at the end of the month, you need peace. When you and your spouse are at odds with each other, you need peace. When you think the refs have called a bad call on the field and you're throwing trash down on the field, you you need peace. You need peace. You just experienced an extraordinary moment right there. These are ordinary, everyday things. And how you respond and handle these small things has everything to do with how you will handle the larger things God will call you to. Man's end game is positions and title. God's end game is surrender. God's end game is surrender. Come on out, worship team. God wants us to offer him all of these things, all of it, the good, the bad, and the ugly. God wants all of it. All of your ordinary, all of the things, the mundane things throughout you. He does not want to be part from that. He wants to be a part, a part of it. You've heard it said that God will not give you more than you can handle. And I'm beginning to realize that that's not necessarily true. The place that people pull that statement from is actually from 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation has overtaken you. That is except common to mankind. God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will provide a way out so you can endure it. That is such truth right there, but it is speaking specifically about temptation. And then we have the scripture that says that his burden is easy and his yoke is light. And those are true statements. But I've begun to realize that if God only gives me the amount that I can handle, then I'm going to handle it. Then I'm going to handle it. But as God begins to give me more than what I can handle, I have no choice but to lean on him. I have no choice but to lean into what he says and and, and the direction because I can't do this alone. And I'm here to tell you guys, there are people right now here today under the sound of my voice that you can't handle what you're going through right now. And you have been so working hard to try to make it happen on your own. And God is saying to you, stop trying to make it happen. Invite me into your situation. Allow me to speak clearly into what you're supposed to do and when you're supposed to do it. And if you allow me to take control, then I will show you things. I will liberate you from the bondage. I will liberate you from the burden. I will eliminate the pain. I will do these things for you because I am your God. But it's going to take us having a moment with God where we take off our shoes and say, God, you are holy. I submit to you in your will. I say, I am beneath and not above. 
You are the sovereign God of my life. And I trust you, God, that you want to carry me through this circumstance. Where you are enough, I am not enough on my own. But I am enough whenever you're with me. Father, we bless you. I bless you. And to get into his presence and to understand that he cares about you. He cares about where you are. And he doesn't want you out there struggling by yourself. He wants the ordinary. If you would be bold enough today to make a decision. I'm asking us to be bold enough today to make a decision and a choice. To take your ordinary sleeping, eating, going to work, walking around life and offer all of those things to God. And if you do those things without a shadow of doubt, you will stumble upon your burning bush moment where you will clearly know that it is God. And he will say, I can trust you. And when he says, so now go, you say, where to? When do you want me to go? Because you trusted him in the little things. I believe God would want to do some extraordinary things in your life. Kevin, I'm a doer. I am a doer. I, I, I hear what you're saying, and I, I got to have a checklist. I mean, I, I'm probably my issues. I'm going to walk out of here. How do I do this? How do I do this? I'm a doer. There's a lot of doers in this room. I'm going to give you three things to do. Are you ready? Three things that you can do. Wait. Rest and surrender. There's your checklist. Wait, rest, and surrender. And boy, if we have a church of people that would be willing to do this, oh boy, we'll see some extraordinary things happen. Because much is given, much is required. Those who are faithful with the small are entrusted with larger things. Do you guys stand with me this morning? What I feel like is supposed to happen this morning, if you're in a place where you're carrying a burden, you've said, God, I, I'm struggling and I'm trying to do this on my own. And I just kind of realized, or maybe you've been realizing and you just haven't been humble enough to say, God, I need you to intervene. I'm going to tell you, the more you run for God, eventually it's going to get to a point where we have no choice but to surrender. How much better would it be if you surrender on your own, on your own terms? Come. He wants you to surrender this morning. So if you've been carrying a burden that's large, maybe you've been running ahead, maybe you, and you know, maybe it's God. I mean, really, maybe it's something God's shown you and you just took off unintentionally you got off kilter somewhere and you just you're just burdened you're like god i'm in this place and i need to hear from you clearly he has a special a special moment for you i believe today so if you'll come the altar space is open and i'm going to ask we have elders in the room we have staff in the room if you see somebody down here i'd like you to come and just put your hand on their back and just agree with them and just pray over them right now so if that's you you come right now let's worship